0: So how about that? I mean, I'm look, I'm not a, a big uh, fan of wrestling. I was when I was younger. I was a big uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. So I, I did see the clips from WrestleMania uh, yesterday and Pat McAfee guy's been making a name for himself in the broadcasting world, but uh, he's infiltrated himself into WrestleMania did the Stone Cold stunner there. And uh, yeah, chug back a few beers. It was pretty cool. I don't know if you saw the. the he the had clip. like a
1: whole. He had a whole match, and yeah. um, and then he got stunned by Stone Cold after chugging beers. I'll just say this: Pac Mac. I'm, I love bro, love love love, wrestling as a kid. My little brother Phil yeah. and I, we went to a Raw. My mom took us. I was a Kane guy. Um, we definitely, you know, i i we're 31, so we're kind of at the end of the Attitude Era late nineties, early 2000s. So you're talking about stone cold, uh, early rock, the undertaker, uh, uh you know, Kane
0: Kane uh, for sure. Uh, Mankind, Kane, I, yeah.
1: Mankind uh, amazing. Uh, so definitely that era. And I'll say stone cold is a legend, but it was the video clips again. I didn't watch WrestleMania live but The video clips. There's a reason why 60 year old stone cold Steve Austin hasn't been the ring in a long time.
0: He, he yeah. was wearing
1: two knee braces. <laughs> well, he always wears. His, but yeah, they true, comedically slow. Yeah. I will say this: his stutter of Vince McMahon later on was even more. I mean, Vince McMahon. Yeah, is he's in his seventies. He like he looked like a limp noodle. He didn't <laughs> even sell. He couldn't sell it at all. McFeely sold it for 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 Stone Cold. I'm yeah. all I'm all about. I love it. I, listen, the wrestling's always been fun. I think it's a generational thing. Guys who are then. It, you know, carry wrestling on into their 40s or 50s or really like big, big fans. That was never going to be me. I like, love, I, I watch all the documentaries on like 90s and 2000s oh, yeah. wrestling. I love it. As soon as like John Cena started getting popular, that's when I was out. And so, really, anything after John Cena, as far as like knowledge of Mott, like new wrestlers, I got like nothing for you. Um, so, I like these kind of swan songs for the old guys, the people that uh, our generation. Uh, but uh, Pat McAfee, going to him, Dan. He's really built a weird, a really unique brand. I heard someone yep. t- tweet it out like he's a unicorn, and I, and I agree because, I mean, he is. He's just a uh, dude. He you is. He's great, and he's, and I mean, he was with Barstool for a while and bet on himself, and um, he's really kind of gone rogue and just created his own thing, like Barstool's done, but just the Pat McAfee show, and it just goes to show you that. You don't need an ESPN, an NBC, a Fox, a CBS, or even heck a bar stool to like go out there and make your own brand. If you can, uh, if you can create a following in that way, kind of now like what Dan Lepetard has done where they just yes. have said, you know what, we've gotten bigger than needing a brand anymore. And with all the advertisement dollars that are out there now of the, the DraftKings, the FanDuels, because I think DraftKings and and that's who Levitard has, and FanDuel is hundred percent with McAfee. That money is so there, it's so big. Uh it can it can pay for literally just your own show and they treat those guys well. So congrats to him. He's he's a man, he's fun to watch. I'm a I'm a big Pat McAfee fan. Anything he does, I will I will engage with.
0: There's a video his wife posted of them in the plane afterwards too, and he was so out of it. It was hilarious. Like he was unbelievably out of it. Um, But he was still on his show today. A guy grinds for sure. And to your point about advertising too, it actually opens up the door for a lot of companies that otherwise would never be able to get their foot into the sports arena. You know, uh, a mom and pop or even like a small chain was never going to get advertising on ESPN, for instance, but now they can, now they can get it not on ESPN, but they can get on their, you know, a a show with a decent following. Uh, It's all up to those individual shows now to choose their sponsors and, totally a, a bigger pool to pull from. So that's, it also cool
1: allows, think. like, I mean, it also allows everyone wants to be in the content game. I mean, that's why we do this show. We love putting out content. We, we do yeah. it for ourselves. we got a nice little following and we love our listeners, but it it is a, uh, it's a, it's a content world and with the money around sports, you know, there's two things that make money in content. It's news and sports, as far as like instant reaction stuff goes. And, uh, it's cool to see a guy like McAfee have success because from all accounts, and obviously I've never met him, never even been close to his sphere, but from all accounts, he seems like a genuinely cool dude. And not often do guys leave barstool, but still have a lot of respect from the port noise and those type of people. Because usually, if you leave barstool, it's like, you know, they, they're like, screw that guy. Or there's not a, there's not a, there's a lot of love lost. That's for sure. But no, they still respect the heck out of him and just do it his own way and do it his own thing. So, uh, it leads you to believe that uh, he really is just a good dude.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of big things happening with FanDuel here uh, coming up. So they, uh, they continue to rise over there at the Pat McAfee show, but here on the football lounge, uh, we've got a few things to go over today. Uh, Some actual breaking news that just happened right before we recorded today. Five minutes ago. Um, But something Mark and I are both excited about later on in the show. uh, And and it's probably going to be a decent chunk. Um, We're going to call it movie match, and it's basically our take on the current state of a team, and we're going to match that with uh, a a movie, uh, some sort of plot that we think fits well with the state of a current team. So that's coming up in just a little bit after we do our news and notes uh, from the NFL. So, Mark, let's dive right in uh, to this uh, breaking news element. Yeah. Uh, A big trade between the Eagles and the Saints – that requires or that contains no players whatsoever. It is a pick swap, and uh, it's uh, it's quite extensive. So the Eagles have the number 16 and the number 19 picks in the first round here that they are sending to the Saints, and they're also giving up a sixth rounder in that deal. But we're gonna there's a lot to bog down here. Primarily, we'll, we'll focus right now on the first round picks. They're sending a 16 and 19 overall to the Saints for pick number 18. Yeah. And a third rounder as well as a first round pick in 2023 and a second round pick. Yeah. 2024. So the Eagles the Eagles here lose a first rounder, but they still keep one at number 18 and they're getting one next year. And they're getting a second rounder of the year after that. Not yeah. bad. And so, the Eagles already had an uh, uh, another first rounder and number fifteen. So, so the
1: Eagles get they still crazy. have two first rounders. So the Eagles before this trade had two first rounders in the middle of the. They draft. had
0: three. They had 15, 16 and nineteen.
1: Oh, okay. So now they yeah. fall to two first rounders. So now but they, they basically, two. but they gained a third rounder and then a first round next year. So now they're going to double up, have two first round draft picks for next year as well. So if you're the Eagles, Correct. I like that move because having three first round draft picks is great. But if you're the Eagles, you you want to maybe, you know, s- spreading the love out and getting yourself more assets for that other first rounder, including a future first, uh, this year third, and a uh, 2024 second that's not yeah. a slump pick either no a, definitely a, not. a second round pick even though it's two drafts off it feels like a long time away all of a sudden it's gonna we're gonna be coming up on the 2024 draft I'm like damn remember the Eagles got that extra second round pick so this this to me shows two things immediately the Eagles are willing to be flexible and so the Eagles must say to themselves listen we have players we really like in the first round. We feel comfortable in the middle of the draft. And so if we can get two of them uh, of maybe the five or six guys that they're really eyeing, you feel good about doing that. Also, this allows the Eagles that they want to take those two picks and move up to not feel like they've totally blown their draft because they gained a third rounder. Also, they have all this extra draft capital for a team that remember made the playoffs. They're a good, it's a good football team. They have holes, but it's not, a, it's not a total rebuild of a team that just needs 20 you know, picks. Uh, but for the Saints, to me, this reeks of a team now that is trying to move up in the draft. This You only go and get another first-round pick for this year's draft if you're then trying to convince one of those teams in the top five to give you their top five slot for your two mid-first-round mid slots plus probably then a lot more. Um, You know what I mean? As far as seconds or, or thirds or fourths or fifths goes and maybe a player to be named. So this reeks of the saints to me, probably having their eye on a quarterback. They knew they needed to get more capital. The Eagles are flush with draft picks. So they basically mortgage their future a little bit. I mean uh, the, the, the saints for the right now to say, we need another first round draft pick this year. Let's go get aggressive. I look for the saints, to move into the top 10 by draft day with this move. that That's to me what it feels like they got their eye on Willis or Pickett or one of the other guys, maybe the top of the draft.
0: Well, I, I definitely think the saints are going to push for a quarterback. I would agree with you there, but I also think this could mean that the Eagles are going to push for a quarterback as well. Yeah. I mean, they're certainly not totally set on Jalen hurts. He's played well. He's a leader. He's a good locker room guy. Um, but he has his accuracy issues and, you know, they, they're certainly not in the space where I think they feel comfortable, uh, you know, making him the franchise guy. And they acquired some very uh, attractive picks in the future. So if you're someone like, you know, Hey, I can give you one of my first now and I'll give you a first uh, for next year. You get two firsts. Or, or, hey, I'll give you both of my firsts this year, next year's first as well to move up. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that this can play out for both teams. So it is interesting. I, I, I totally agree, though, when you get a pick swap like this, it usually means that a team is super comfortable with what they think they'll be able to get in the early rounds or they are adamant about moving up. And, yeah. and, and making a, a big splash for someone that they truly value. And usually more often than not, that's entirely for a quarterback. I don't see someone yeah. moving up to get sauce Gardner, you know, and, as and great as he is.
1: And if you're in new Orleans, you look at it and you basically say, all right, we gave up next year's first rounder to have two first rounders this year. So, you know, you can sell it to your fan yeah. base in that way. Even if you don't eventually, even if you don't move up to get a quarterback, um, and if you're, if you're, but, and you also say, and we had to maybe give up a little, a little bit to do that. You know, you gave up a second rounder and a, and, 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 you know, and a third rounder to basically do that, you know, cause the sixth and yes. the seventh kind of swap each other out. You got to realize new Orleans basically said to have two first round picks this year, we're giving up next year's first round pick and a third and a fourth to do that. So to me, that reeks of the team that is saying, we now have another move to make. We are going to be aggressive, uh, whether it's two players we really like in the middle of this draft or whether it is we are trying to move up. And the problem is, for New Orleans, it's an order to really move up. They're competing against the other two teams that are desperate in their own division, Atlanta and Carolina. They're the other two teams that are going to be dead. Where is it? Atlanta's seven or eight, and Carolina, like, you you have the order in front of you.
0: Atlanta is seven. I don't have and, the order in front of me, but I know Atlanta's seven. Or, no, mean, the Giants yeah. are seven. The Atlanta's eight then.
1: And I think Carolina is right there with
0: them. And Carolina's like, they, at six.
1: So you know yeah. as your New Orleans, if you want to get ahead of those two guys, and the whole NFL is going to know when the New Orleans GM is calling, like, oh, you're trying to get ahead of your two rivals, it's going to take two picks and more yeah. stuff. So look for New Orleans now. They at least – they at least now have the ammunition to actually get those phone calls and have a chance with those top five teams to take a phone call. The Lions have already said, we're open for business. If you're the Lions and you can get two first rounders this year to move out of that second spot and get get, uh, some players from New Orleans or a couple other, you know, a, a second rounder or some other picks, that's what a team like the Lions need. They need two stars in the first round two playmakers in the first round of draft and then to build with some other pieces because as we mentioned for teams like Detroit, Jacksonville, uh Cincinnati, you you really aren't free agent destinations. You got to find homegrown stars and to do that in the draft, you need as many first and second round draft picks as you can to throw things at the wall and hope that at least you know 50% of them stick to build your team. So, New Orleans is now has the ammunition to be serious in those trade calls in looking to move up. Or as we said, they basically just said, you know, we like two teams. We like here. Now from Philly's perspective, I, I like it. I mean, you basically, you had three first rounders. You now have two, but you gain another one for next year. So you have another two first rounders next year. You had a bunch of picks. You got four first rounders this year and next year, plus now two second rounders and two third rounders. At least I don't know what their other situations like. So Philly's got a ton of picks if they want to be aggressive, but Philly also has a ton of picks to say, we can really take a lot of really good players and roll with Jalen hurts. If we feel comfortable in that situation as well. So Philly's got a lot of flexibility and new Orleans is now serious uh, when they, when they make the call. So it's an interesting move for sure.
0: And I don't mean to diminish the value that having more control over picking who you want, um, is, you know, that that's not, you know, something that's desirable, but at the same time having multiple first round picks usually isn't a good thing because we've talked about this on the show before most first rounds have about 15 first round talents. Yeah. And and that's, that's on a good draft. You know, sometimes it's only 10. You want to also be able to get guys at value. So, I mean, that's where the great teams really, you know, make their bank with, you know, Getting Tom Brady in the sixth round, getting Russell Wilson in the third round, um, Antonio Brown in the sixth round, like Dak Prescott, you fourth know, being round, able, yeah. correct, yeah, being able to make these value picks is highly important. So that's why second, third, fourth rounders are pretty valuable picks because you're not completely reaching on guys at that point. Um, having three first rounders, you know, I yes, you get to choose exactly who you want essentially, but. I mean, you do it at the behest of not getting a haul for yeah. later years. So you're right. Uh, I, I think it's a good. I think it's a good deal there for the. Eagles. I
1: I think you nailed it too. It goes it goes back to our theory that we've been saying here. It seems as though, then it means like New Orleans is the more aggressive team and probably will make the next move because again, the only reason you do this is so you can get a quarterback, so you can get that guy who you have your eye on, or. It also, to me, as you were just saying that if I'm Philly in their spot, maybe Philly's not done getting out of the first round. Maybe Philly, you could see them giving up another one of those first round picks to gain another future, second future, you know, getting some more depth in that way. Um, it will, it'll be really, really interesting. These teams now um, it, keep an eye out as we as we make our way to the draft. It's what a weird, weird, such a weird NFL story because it's just picks. And it's yeah, and it and it and you got to take a second to digest it. But um, that's what's so great about the draft is things. It's all the lead up to the draft. Like you know, a year ago this time we were talking about, oh my God, San Francisco gives up three first rounders to get up to number three. Who are they gonna take? And that was then all the talk of who are they gonna sure. take? Who are they gonna take? Um, we'll see if New Orleans is that team this year. Do they make the big move to get into that top five? to guarantee yourself a chance at um, Pickett, Willis, maybe the one guy that you have your eye on.
0: Yeah, yep, they can certainly do it. And draft day, too. I mean, we're, we're going to expect some, yeah. uh, Move. some sparks to fly. I mean, you probably remember how you felt when you saw that the Bears traded up. Yeah. And then you had probably a mini heart attack because you're like, is it going to be Mac Jones? I did. <laughs> they take Justin Fields and they all is well with the world. It is uh, you're
1: right this draft is going to be so unpredictable because look, think about how well, the, the, other teams the Giants have, have picks.
0: Yep, Giants
1: yep. have two still I mean there's there's a lot the Giants could get aggressive too if they feel the draft is going that way uh it, it's it, it's interesting man it's interesting
0: It is one of the big moves Mark uh, that happened over the course of the past week was Bobby Wagner finally finding yeah. himself a home he was one of the the premier free agents still left on the table along with Jarvis Landry Tyron Matthew uh, and OBJ, but Bobby Wagner, a five-year, fifty million dollar contract worth up to sixty-five million with the LA Rams. How do they have money, Mark? Like, where are they getting yeah, this I don't money know. from? It's I amazing. Know. I mean, and everyone is asking that question, but clearly they are doing things right. And of course, this is not going to be a true five-year contract. He'll probably play three, two to three, and uh, and and like I'm the sure they structured deal. it that way. It's
1: the Von Miller deal for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, but you know, a great. Obviously Bobby Wagner gets to stay in division and uh, get revenge on the Seahawks, which are, you know, sad to say appearing to be more and more of a dumpster fire uh, by the hour. And uh, he gets to compete against them, compete for a super bowl with a team that's coming off of one. And now they have an elite all pro at every level of that defense. So you can't really say that about any other team in the league.
1: You can't. And I think it, it helps the Rams. Obviously it, um, the Rams I think we're looking at how the offseason was playing out with so much balance of power shifting to the AFC and understanding they didn't need to make five moves. They need to make one or two moves to really keep control of where they're at in the NFC. The Rams are obviously a favorite in the NFC. The Rams obviously shown, too, they didn't even need home field throughout uh, to have the success they had in the playoffs. This is a Rams team that I'm sure feels very confident about where they're at. Um, I will say, though, the Rams are one of those teams that they were oddly healthy at times during the year. I mean, obviously, the Henderson injury right before, and then Woods goes down. But they were able, they're always able to adjust. And then they had a healthy run down the stretch. It's a lot of veterans. You add older veteran guys, you pay them a lot of money. It is a little concerning, but the Rams are another organization. also drafts really well in the draft picks that they have. They don't have any first rounders, but in those, what we talked about, the value picks, third, fourths, and fifths, uh, the Rams do a really good job. So I like the move for the Rams. I think it's a home run for Bobby Wagner as well. Stay in division, get a chance to compete for another title. He's a hall of famer already. If he had just retired, he's got a very Patrick Willis type career, um, but his career could elevate to the level of a, more in the conversation. I mean, he's a Luke Keekley Patrick Willis type of career. Now, if he wants to take that next level into the Urlacher, Ray Lewis, Mike Singletary, all-time great Nitschke type linebackers, like really in that conversation, this could be a great place to do it. Have two or three years of great success with the Rams, maybe a Super Bowl win to wind down your career, another Pro Bowl or two, um, and uh, stay fairly healthy it's a, it's a great, great spot for his legacy. And, uh, for him as a player to try to win now.
0: Linebackers best friend is a great defensive line to open those holes. And you got Aaron Donald up there that can plug a, plug a gap. Uh, you know, Bobby Wagner's probably going to have some fun over there in LA. And, um, you know, the, the, the Rams look increasingly, uh, more scary, which is, uh, it's crazy to say they're kind of like that, you know, they're constantly renting and, um, it, it could be a smart move. It's like, you know, those people that will never buy the iPhone outright. Most people don't actually, you, you lease it for a couple years and then you upgrade and they forget the debt on the last phone. And then they move you on to the next phone. It's kind of that deal where the way they structure things, obviously they've gotten 100%. a bit by the uh, Todd Gurley contract and yeah. some others in the past, but for the most part, this rental method, that they're going along with and then paying one or two guys long-term seems to be a pretty good strategy. It's working for them. Now, obviously that can work for a team. That's such an attractive free agent landing spot it is, it is. as an LA, but, and we're seeing the chargers start to realize that too.
1: I think you're absolutely right. That's part of it. And you a football team to be successful has to understand their market and has to understand their fan base, and has to understand what they offer beyond that. I think it's one of those things that really, really great organizations do. And the Rams, over the past couple of years, like let's be honest, since they left LA, uh, since they left St. Louis, they've been a great organization. They make the playoffs. They made two Super Bowls, one Super Bowl victory, uh, and uh, there's no reason why the Rams shouldn't be. Favorites or co-favorites in the NFC going into the season, you know, if it were to start today, obviously it's still a little bit of a long off season, you never know what's going to happen, but that's how it sits today for sure.
0: Yes, absolutely. And uh, so moving on to some other um, notable items from around the league, uh, the new England Patriots making a move yeah. to get a, um, and at least proven receiver, which is something they, you know, really haven't shown that they've wanted to invest in. They went and got uh Devante Parker, from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, so the New England Patriots get Parker. And a fifth round pick this year. In exchange for next year's third. Uh, so really. I mean. I, I think it's a pretty good move. Look. the They give up next year's third. But the Patriots just. They have not been able to hit on a receiver. For the longest yeah. time. And you know. I think they probably should have hung on to Brandon Cooks. Uh, he was the one guy that. You know. Proved to be worth it. Um, but look, you get Devonte Parker here. He, he's kind of what you hoped Nikhil Harry was going to be, a big he's target guy on the outside that can win those contested catches. Only Parker, you know, has proven it more. Now he's, he's had a, you know, an injury bug, but so has Harry. Um, so this probably spells the end for Nikhil Harry in New England in terms of any real playing time. Um, but they go out and get a guy and don't have to, you know, sell the farm for him. And, and he'll be a, a reliable target for Mac Jones, should he be able to stay on the field? And that's really what you got to do for a young quarterback is give him at least yeah. uh, some sort of security blanket there, plus the two tight ends there that will uh, hopefully come back healthy and ready to go.
1: I, 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 as long as New England is not done drafting, you know, done with the wide receiver room, I think this yeah. is a great addition. I think they'd still need to, within the first three rounds, throw another something at the wall and hope it sticks, whether it's a first, second, or third rounder, uh, another uh, just another target another weapon they're solid at tight end solid at offensive line um, and and that's that's going to be New England's story I mean it's the it's the one thing on Bill Belichick's resume you can honestly say is a weird low grade everything yeah. else he grades really high at but this is one of those where you if you're honest and you're grading he has been very very bad at figuring out the wide receiver um, and Tom Brady always made it work and Listen, Mac Jones made it work for the most part last year, but I I think Devontae Parker is a, is a good get for them, and he's a guy that you're absolutely right. If he's healthy, I think can work in New England system. Also, remember, New England system is going to be interesting this year. This is the first time in how many years that Josh McDaniels is not the offensive coordinator. Right. So, yeah. what is what is the new New England offense look like? I assume it's going to look a lot like Josh McDaniels New England offense for the past couple of years, run heavy play action, um, look for the deep shots when they're there, but it's an, it's a little bit of an unknown and kind of weird time in New England for that reason and that reason alone. And I think they also have noticed the AFC is all upgraded. They feel like they had to make a move, I think, to at least, um, at least quell the fan base a little bit of like, we understand this isn't the most ideal position group for us right now. And we have a young quarterback who needs help with a new offensive coordinator coming on in. And so I think it was a smart PR move, at least too, to be like, Hey, we know it's a weakness. We're going to keep trying.
0: Yep. Yep. That's what you got to do. And you got to, you know, as you said, uh, show that you're making an effort. And that's really all you can ask. And um, yeah, so they, they d- definitely need to draft one. It's a good draft for wide receivers. So uh, well, like most are at at this point nowadays, but uh, they'll have an opportunity to add to that room as well. And speaking of the Dolphins, who they traded with, uh, they signed corner Xavier Howard to a five-year contract. Yeah, this one worth fifty point six million in new money, and that's the most guaranteed cash for a cornerback in NFL history. Uh, from ESPN.com, he had three years nine thirty-nine million remaining on what was a five-year, $75 million contract that he signed in 2020. Um, But he requested a trade, said he didn't feel valued or respected. Seems like they're doing what they can here um, to get him locked up. And, uh, of course, they signed Byron Jones to a big extension. So, really, it's interesting. It's like Miami has such a strong cornerback room, which is something that most teams really struggle with, is finding – I mean, finding one is hard, but finding two top 10 corners, very difficult. So Miami's interestingly setting themselves up here. Uh, and of course they had these guys, but they're, they're, they're locking them up. They're saying, we're going to invest in, in our corners. We're going to invest in our, our line and we're going to invest in these weapons. So look, I mean, again, this still, I know it's on defense, but it still boils down to is Tua going to be able to make this work because their success is still going to be dictated on what he's able to do. And uh, I think, but they're at least setting themselves up to find out. And, and that's, that's all you can do right now.
1: I mean, listen again, Miami is a team that has been unsuccessful for a long time. Like they're, they have, they have peaks of success and then they sit in the Valley of mainly being in third place in their division um, for a long time, a lot, they, you know, a lot like my Chicago bears, they, they have similar things. You'd think they'd be a free agent destination. Uh, they are two of the world-class cities. Uh, they have, uh, you know, all the money, uh, they have just kind of though dysfunctional ownership, and they seem to be mired in the fact that they can never put all the pieces together at the right time. And quarterback has been an issue for them, over the last 20 plus years with the Bears longer, but with the Dolphins as well. Um, and always kind of finishing in third. Like they know they're better than the Jets. They know they're better than the Lions. Uh, can they yeah, compete yeah. with the New Englands and the Buffaloes or the Vikings and the and the Packers? Very similar in a lot of those ways. Um, I, so what I was tr- getting at with that point being is that I think it's smart for organizations like that. To lock up homegrown talent. If you have homegrown talent that you know is very good and we know both those corners are great players, keep them happy. Even if if you know you're never gonna get the value for them, and you're probably not, it at least continues to send the message as an organization that when we draft talent and we use that talent, we will pay that talent. And we want that type of growth in an organization. The great organizations do that consistently. Green Bay comes to mind. They always extend their guys who who play well, except for recently because they've had to pay Roger so much. A guy like Lindsey getting away, that's uncharacteristic for Green Bay. But that, for Miami, for teams like Chicago, the Jets, the Lions, those teams that are historically struggled, especially with the past 20 years, I think it's good messaging to send. Whether it helps them win games, defense is not as important. But – Having two really good corners, that helps you win games like right now in the modern NFL because it's becoming more seven-on-seven. Seven. So you need athletes and you need great ball hawks on the other side of the ball because when you're passing 30, 40 times a game, there's going to be opportunities for turnovers. We saw that with Dallas this year with Diggs. That is the that is the new type of corner. Every corner is going to get burned a lot, but you need corners that can at least once every other game Make a turnover, whether it's a fumble, recovery, an interception, be aggressive because that is the modern NFL right now. It's a little bit like the NBA. You got to have guys who can shoot the three and also defend the three and understand how to defend the three. You know, you can't do anything when Steph Curry's just lighting up for half court. You can be the best defender in the world, and that's just going to happen. Um, you know, a.k.a. Pat Beverly, the last five years of his career. And so you, you've got to invest in that and you got to say to your fan base, we're trying, we're, we understand we're going to have to go against all these great wide receiver groups. So we'll see. I, I agree with you. A lot of it comes down to Tua. We'll talk about, I'll talk more about the dolphins and Tua later on.
0: Okay. Sounds good. What I'm am I looking forward to, to that. What am I, well, I think that kind of does it for the news of notes, Mark. So we can, yeah. we can springboard ourselves right into this movie. I love it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So um, how many do you yeah. have? I have five. Um. I have four. One of them is two teams that um, okay that, that combine for one. So I'll let you go first then so you right. can get you can get your first one out of the way.
1: So just as a little precursor, Dan just texted me and we've been talking. He's like, you know, it's an idea we've bounced around, but we didn't give any each other set rules. So the idea was yeah, think did. of a team and think of the movie that reminds you of that team. It's a little bit of like the Colin Coward exercise where every yeah. situation he compares to his ex-wife. So you take something that's really not affiliated at all, but try to give them, give them an identity of this So going into this season. So um, I have the Bears on my list, I, but I'll, I'll save them for a little later. I'll start with my number one team uh, that I found a movie that, to me, embodies them. It's the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions. And the movie for them is My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And so and so, this is where my mind went with this and the Lions, in this project that we've assigned ourselves. My Big Fat Greek Wedding, if you remember, was a very low-budget film, very low-budget. There was no expectations for success for my Big Fat Greek Wedding. No one talked about it. No one knew about it. All of a sudden, you kind of saw a trailer, and you're like, this could be good. And then it exploded, and it kind of took the world by storm. And I feel that's going to happen with the lions during hard knocks. No one's talking about the lions. They are an underrated franchise and they're going to get hard knocks this year. And all of a sudden you're going to see the lions. I think they're going to be great on draft day. I think they're going to be improved team. The NFC overall is weaker. I think you're going to see again, I'm, 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 I'm early riding the lions here. They are going to take advantage of some people. And I think they're going to, they're going to build something here and they're going to maybe explode a little bit like the, like big fat Greek wedding did. And overall, what do you remember when you think of my big fat Greek wedding? They're kind of, it's a weird, the Greek family with their Windex. It's wild. It's weird. You're going to get a lot of weird, wild stuff from Dan Campbell. And I think we're going to, it's going to be funny it's going to be heartfelt. You're you you want to pull for them. They're kind of an underdog. It's Detroit versus everybody. So the lions are my big fat Greek wedding.
0: I like that. I, that's a pretty good analogy. Actually. I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with that one.
1: It went on sure. to win awards. I don't know if the lions <laughs> yeah. will win awards. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Go that far
0: at the very least. Um, yeah. You know, I don't recall any kneecaps being bit in my, factory waiting but they're very well might have been
1: so who knows uh, with the greeks you never know you never know
0: all right mark um i'm gonna go with the green bay packers here okay and it's it's not really fair to the packers overall this is a much more just aaron Rodgers uh type of situation um but the movie that comes to mind with this is limitless (laughs) you've seen the movie with bradley cooper Yeah. takes the pill right and the pill makes him Access 100 percent of his brain. He's the smartest yeah. man on earth. He starts off, if you remember, as a rugged man who can't get over the hump. He just yeah. can't. He just can't. He's got writer's block. You know, he's a, he's he's had success, but right now he can't get over the hump. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been able to get over that NFC Championship hump for years now, decade. But in Limitless, Bradley Cooper has a secret weapon and a skill that gives him that clear advantage over everyone else. Rodgers, you could argue, has the skill that no one seems to be able to match in the NFL. Yet for some reason, the ultimate attainable goal just never seems to be able to f- fall within his grasp. He rises to the top of the ranks uh, in the movie, Bradley Cooper does. He becomes a, uh, a hedge fund mastermind. Aaron Rodgers gets two-time back-to-back MVP here. But Bradley Cooper's ascent is also signaling his demise in the movie as he becomes increasingly dependent on only himself and basically pushes everyone else aside. He yeah. doesn't realize maybe what he has right in front of him until it's too late and he realizes he's created this absolute shitstorm that is out of his control. Well, Aaron Rodgers has pushed a lot of people away in, in the league. Devontae Adams is now out the door so Aaron Rodgers can make his uh, $50 million And uh, he finds himself alone on the balcony, just like Bradley Cooper at the end of limitless, the descent, the descent.
1: I love that. I love that. I did not include the Packers because you told me you already had one for the Packers. I was, uh, I, I had some mean things. I was going to say some different movies. There was a lot of things that came to mind for Aaron Rodgers, but I like,
0: we'll just throw a couple names out there. I'm interested. We don't have to to go into the weeds of it, but. Have
1: you ever seen the uh, Ryan Reynolds movie buried? Yes, yes, he buried I himself in a coffin. That is Aaron Rodgers surrounded by his money, uh, just <laughs> the buried, oxygen he is yeah, just covered in his own money. And uh, you, you know, that was one came mind. Right, also, the, uh, also, the also uh, the I didn't really want to do this one, but it, it kind of worked. Uh, uh, Mega mind um with uh with Will Ferrell a DreamWorks movie I don't, I don't think I've seen that he's like no, an no. alien and and it's uh and he's the bad guy and Brad Pitt plays like the superhero of the town and uh but then he actually gets control and he's evilness is winning he's evil it's basically just I'm evil uh and uh and uh, you know he thinks he's smarter than everyone yeah. hey, uh, so some things have come
0: breaking to me. bad could uh could be a comparison if we do a tv shows that, yeah. that pride that pride yeah. element uh, totally overriding uh, everything else yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, all right i will go to my second one that is the baltimore ravens baltimore yes. ravens all
0: right i'm looking forward to that
1: um baltimore ravens is mad max it's mad <laughs> max mad max as a franchise is you know what 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 mad max relies on is first first all, it's a ten pole franchise they, you know, made a ton of money, all the original ones. They bring it back with Tom Hardy, makes a ton more money. Gets nominated for Academy Awards. The Ravens are always there. It's, a, it's just, they're a great franchise. It's just a great franchise. They're not like Star Wars. It's a Mad Max isn't Star Wars. Mad Max yeah. isn't like, they're Indiana not the patriots. Jones. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? It's, but it's really solid. It's better than like Transformers. It's better than, you know, a lot of other stuff. So, you know, it, it feels right, right? And, and, and then obviously Lamar Jackson is Mad Max. He's alone. He's a lone wolf. All these other teams, look at all the weapons that all the other quarterbacks are getting. And then there's Lamar Jackson, baby. And it's just him and his legs and his cannon and his, and his drive and his anger. He hasn't signed a long deal yet. The owner was saying to the owner's being like, I think he doesn't want to sign one yet because he doesn't feel like he deserves the money until he wins. The guy is just, he's mad. He's dedicated. He's Mad Max. I think the Ravens are. I think the Ravens are Mad Max mainly because Lamar Jackson's Mad Max.
0: I like it. He's alone too because he is his own agent. Doesn't even have he's an agent, agent.
1: He's his own agent. He's a he's soul. He's a little crazy, A little crazy. But you love him. You respect him. And it's a temple franchise.
0: I'm I'm on board. I'm on board. I'm I'm wondering who Charlize Theron uh, would uh, would be in this situation. Wait, wait. Was she the one that was in that with Tom Hardy?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah he yeah.
0: was. That, that movie was awesome. I I didn't see the early ones. Very I, I right. must admit, uh, I had The originals are great. Uh, the Mel Gibson uh, ones. Ray Ray Gibson. Ooh, yeah, I, I will say this: this
1: but. great Charlize Theron story. Uh, for those who don't know, I uh, in college I got to study abroad in Russia. I lived in Russia for three months in Moscow. And uh, fall of 2011, I went into a we with a couple of buddies went into a, a small like dive bar in Moscow one night, and we we're watching, there was something on TV, it was hockey or something, and this Russian guy started talking with this older guy. And he was all like, Americans, why do you come here? And blah, blah, blah. He's like, I would kill to go to America. And he's like, your women are so beautiful. And we're like, no, the Russian women, man, the Russian women are so beautiful. He goes, no, Russian women are shit. American women, Charlize Theron. And we're like, she's <laughs> not just... American. Not, she's not American, dude. Not. He had no idea he, she wasn't <laughs> American. But I was like, I was like, we'll take her. We'll, we'll call yeah. her
0: American. We can claim that. His number one thing was Charlize
1: <laughs> Theron. And we're like, yeah, she's not American. It's, so. it's very
0: random, too. It's just, like, just such a, a random thing he to really, throw out. This, you know, this but middle-aged
1: Russian guy, drunk at Daibar, had a real hard-on for Charlize Theron. She's, she's American.
0: Got, she's got a huge fan over there in Moscow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That guy's oh. definitely dead
0: now. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to move on to my next one. This is the two-parter. Yeah. It's uh, two Two teams that I think uh, fit really well with this movie. It's the Raiders and the Bengals. Ooh, okay. To me, they fit very well with Mean Girls. One <laughs> a, a classic. Love okay, the love movie.
1: Mean love Mean Girls.
0: So you're going to ha- have to hang, hang with me here for a second. I will. These teams that feel like strangers in a way, in their own division, all right? Everyone around them kind of treating them like the new girl with no friends while everyone else is having success and having a lot of fun. But soon... They infiltrated the cliques that are the AFC West and AFC North and took the form of their contemporaries for a time, making them comfortable and ultimately letting them underestimate them only for them to pull the rug out from underneath the other teams and head to the playoffs. One doing it by winning the division, the other by saying, Hey, we're in overtime. We're going to kick this one and take it into, into the playoffs and screw you and, and get you out of the playoffs. And just to, to put the cherry on top for this analogy, Derek Carr to Hunter Renfro, Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase, certainly making fetch happen big time. Let me find that. <laughs> They're playing. Well
1: I like, I was wondering how you were going to compare the two teams, but it makes sense. They both are living the Lindsay Lohan life. They are yeah. slowly over time. They were the ugly girl for a long time. You know, the new girl. And now they are real players. The Ray, I mean, the Bengals, especially in the Raiders, you know, the Raiders are a team you forget, you know, with all the stuff that's happened in the AFC, it's kind of like the Eagles of the NFC. You forget they were playoff teams. They made it, it ahead yeah. of a lot of those other teams and they both are getting better. So uh, that's a great analogy. I love that
0: one. Yeah. yeah I was excited great. about that one. That's uh, it probably goes downhill from there, but uh, I was you know, good. The
1: rest. All right. Number three for me is the Dolphins. Um, and the Dolphins, to me, and I, the people may be mad about this one, uh, but the Dolphins are amazing Spider-Man 2 with Andrew Garfield. Okay. So I am, I'm a noted, noted, anti-Andrew Garfield um, Spider-Man movie guy. I didn't I thought, realize that. I'm I like Andrew Garfield. I, I thought they were both absolute shite. I didn't like either of them. Part of it is, I think, because the angst of I am a Toby Maguire guy, because we were young when those came out. So yeah, it's like yeah. even the third one, which is so bad with Toby Maguire, like, oh, I love it. I was like 13. It was <laughs> awesome. It was great. Um, and so I uh, and so I was very anti Andrew Garfield. I like Andrew Garfield's actor. Just watch tick tick boom, he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. He's brilliant. He's a really good actor. I like Andrew Garfield. But the point I'm trying to make is from my perspective. Andrew Garfield never really felt like Peter Parker. Just didn't feel like. And why The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is because The Amazing Spider-Man 1 with Andrew Garfield, it did well. It did well. And they're like, all right, we might have a franchise here. It didn't do as as box office numbers as we expected it to do. So, like, all right, for number two, we're going to really prove it to everyone. We're bringing in Jamie Foxx. And look out, we got Jamie Foxx. Box office gold. That's Tyree Kill. We got Tyree Kill. We're bringing him in, and you're like, "Oh, Tyree Kill. He's he's the best in the league. He's Jamie Foxx. He can do it all. Get him in the backfield. Screens, deep balls. Jamie Foxx is a quadruple town. He can write. He can sing. He can dance. He can act. He can do it all. He can produce. Jamie Foxx is Tyree Kill. They're gadgets. They're everything. They're they're Hollywood elite. And then they painted him blue, and it was a flop, and it was a disaster. Is disaster, and part of the reason it's a disaster is because uh, Andrew Garfield, I'm a noted, he couldn't carry the franchise. He had the weight on his shoulders, and he didn't. He let, he let, what's her face fall to her death. He let Gwen fall to her death, and that's what Tua's is going to do. They're going to paint. <laughs> they're going to paint Tyree Kill in blue, uh... and they're going to try back. like, well, we got Tyree Kill. Let's go. We're paint him in blue. It's going to be awesome, and two is going to let. Uh, why can't I think of the actress's name? Uh, she, I used to like her. Don't. Yeah, it's, it's
0: been forever. So I'm not, you're not going to get out from me. It was
1: great and super bad. Uh, I think. Okay. Probably in Cinderella. I mean, oh, oh, you, are
0: you talking about Emma? Uh, Emma stone, Emma stone.
1: I, I used to like her. No, I don't. Another career arc that I've done. I've done. She was liked. good in
0: uh, Cruella, by the way. I,
1: I bet she was refused to see it. Anti Emma stone.
0: What? And
1: he let her die. He let her die. And I think Chua's going to let the dolphins die. That's my thought. And, and I know it's, I listen, I this had to find some, harsh. I had to find a way. To, if you notice, again, I'm setting myself up for predictions here. I'm already once again, high on the lions, once again, early anti the dolphins and being anti the dolphins, I had to find a way I'm a noted Andrew Garfield hate Spider-Man amazing Spider-Man too, especially. So I just, I, I know this is really loose strings. You painted a much better picture of tying the, the Raiders <laughs> and the Bengals to Mean girls, but this was just my way of basically saying, I hate amazing Spider-Man too. And I hate the dolphins going into this year. That is my way of tying it. That's my way of tying these two together. Uh, but I will say this. Andrew Garfield kind of redeemed himself in the new amazing Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man with Tom Holland, but that's mainly because Tom Holland's in it. The, he, and he's perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, I think, I think we should leave Andrew Garfield alone. The guy had so much great actor, all of his awesome. shares of Facebook stolen by Jesse Eisenberg in he the did. social network. And See, I tick, mean, tick boom. just been beaten down. Tick, tick, boom
1: was phenomenal. He was great.
0: I got to check that out. Absolutely. I, I'm actually looking forward to watching that, I bet I've got it on that watch list and just haven't yeah. a clicked play yet, but I did come up with another one, by the way, I'm going to save it for the very end because it's right. super quick and, I might not have to say more than the title of the movie. Um, okay. But my next one is the Buccaneers. Oh, okay. And uh, I am going to compare, especially with recent development. So we didn't even talk about Bruce Arians. I know. Um, but we can maybe talk about that, uh, tying it into this situation. Uh, I think the Buccaneers are like Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> okay. Because to me, Bruce Arians is Tom Hanks, Captain John Miller in Saving Private Ryan been around quite a while, knows what he's hands doing, are shaking. runs the show, hands are shaking. And Brady is Private Ryan, uh, Matt Damon, of course, in the movie. So Captain John Miller, Tom Hanks, uh, assembles a crew to go out and get James Ryan. Well, Bruce Arians did that. He assembled the staff and was able to go get Tom Brady from the New England Patriots. And after completing the mission, they rejoice. They have got James Ryan. Victory in our hands. They go and win the Super Bowl. They get the victory. They get the win. But with the win comes a cost, Mark. Several others do die in the process here. <laughs> yeah. Vin Diesel. So in this Vin Diesel. In this in this analogy, some leave in free agency. Uh, some retire with Ali Marpet. Even Tom Brady, even Private Ryan retires for a time. But in the end, Tom Hanks, Captain John Miller falls on his sword and dies, takes a bullet. Bruce Arians retires takes the bullet keeping Ryan safe keeping Tom yeah. Brady in Tampa and says to him at the very end that epic line where he says earn this make sure no one did this in vain and that's what Bruce Arians is saying to Tom Brady as yeah. he walks off into the front front office hey man we've done this for you now go get that second title otherwise you're just gonna make it all for naught so that's that, that's a. Uh, that's my analogy there. Well done. Very well done.
1: I um, I was thinking with the Bucks, you could do like a whole Oceans 11, 12, 13 you, type you of I You could
0: do that too. Yeah, absolutely. I, there's, um, a, there's a lot that can work with the Buccaneers because there's so many uh, different storylines. Story story yeah. and, and, but I, I I I respect that analogy because
1: you're right. I mean, it's the writing's on the wall. Bruce a- Tom Brady, he did not want to do another year with Bruce Arians. And he's got his guy in uh in leftwich. He him and Leftwich work really, really well together. And I think by going to Bowles, they all know this really works out. Tom likes Bowles. He must have approved Bowles as well, saying, listen, Bowles is a no nonsense defensive guy who's gonna control the locker room, and change the temperature a little bit. He'll go along a little bit more with my serious attitude of practice and work ethic for that. Bowls obviously wants to prove himself Uh, and getting a real chance to be a head coach and not with a a disaster that is the Jets. He gets his quarterback. And I think Bruce Arians would have loved to coach this year and try to win another Super Bowl selfishly for himself and his own legacy. But I think Bruce Arians knew that uh, when Brady went overseas to have the meeting and you see him over there talking with the uh, owners of the Bucks, who also own Arsenal, whoever it was that he was meeting with or in in Manchester United, whoever it was that he was around. Uh, Arsenal's owned by Kroenke. I know it's not them. Um, the day yeah, they, it
0: was, it was Ronaldo, right? Yeah, that, they came to an, an, there.
1: they yeah. came to an agreement. They, he probably said, listen, I'll come back, but I ain't, I don't want to play for Bruce. So let's talk to Bruce. Let's figure it out. I don't care who he names as the head coach Leftwich or Bowles. I like them both, but I want a little bit more control. I want, I want Bruce Arians is just too loose. We need younger blood. We need someone a little bit more serious and focused. And I bet they said that to him and Bruce probably was a year away from retiring. I bet that is the honest truth. I think Bruce in his mind just wanted to ride it out with Brady, but I think Bruce is such a good dude. He also understands that if I can give Tom Bowles, Todd Bowles this job to be successful with this job and he deserves it. I I think it's uh, you're absolutely right. The analogy of falling on the sword. Well done with that one.
0: Yeah. And I do have a little bit of a hard time believing that it was, um, you know, some people out there just think Tom Brady was kind of just running the show entirely. I have a hard time believing that because one, I, I don't believe any one player has that much power in the NFL. And of course, Tom Brady would be the one if, if, if they yeah. did. Um, I think it was, I think it was kind of a catch 22. I think Arians knew this is probably the end of the road if Tom Brady doesn't come back because we're going to start over from scratch essentially and not have a quarterback to really try and compete again. And you know, his days as a head coach are probably numbered. I imagine the guy wants to kick back and relax a little bit. He's
1: already retired once, but he knew.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he knew if he did come back, you know, maybe Tom doesn't want to come back. So what, what's left. I'm just going to retire. Tom will come back. The franchise will be in a stable position. I get to pick my successor essentially all as well with the world. So yeah. yeah, Tom Hanks, Bruce Arians, good buddies here.
1: I like it. I think that fits. All right. I will get to my fourth. I have one more fifth one. That's really short one. And it's kind of stupid. Not okay. that mine have been very serious so far, uh, but I will get to the bears here. Now the bears are, the bears are up. So I, I spent a lot, this is the team I spent obviously the most time trying to find the right movie. For. Oh, you don't say, and and I part Lose of it is brothers. Because, no, <laughs> no I, I could maybe have made that connection if I wanted to, I'm going with another, it's a classic. I love it. Um, I don't know why I sound like Donald Trump right now. I'm not trying to. I love it. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's perfect. Um, the Bears are American graffiti. You ever seen American graffiti? I
0: have, yeah. Yep. If you don't know American graffiti, ago.
1: for all the young listeners out there, George Lucas, Star Wars. He did one film before Star Wars to prove to the uh, to, uh, the to Hollywood that this guy was legit and should have the backing to make a movie. So he took a really low budget idea and he made an instant classic. It's called American graffiti. It's about teenagers in the fifties. And it's literally about one Friday night or Saturday night. Can't remember which night it is out in the town and stars Ron Howard before Ron Howard was really Ron Howard. He was doing happy days at the time. Harrison um, Ford. We now we now know Ron Howard is mainly a director Harrison Ford is his first ever movie role. Uh, and then Richard Dreyfuss as well. Three going on to be legendary icons of the filmmaking world. So I guess maybe you can see where I'm going with this. The bears are American graffiti. This version of the bears this year will not be remembered for what then eventually they will become. The bears will eventually become star Wars. They will.
0: Oh, wow. There we go. Eber
1: fields. Iconic names. (laughs) They're going to be legends. They're going to be legends, but they got to prove it right now. The low budget, we're under the cap. We're not spending too much money. Low budget. Let's just show you that we can do this. That We got a core here. We got Harrison Ford. We got Justin Fields. He's Harrison Ford. We got a superstar in the making. We got to show the world, though, that we can do this, and it can be something special, but it's going to take... This year it's gonna take a little development. A little development. Then Star Wars.
0: Is Iberflus Richard or Richard Dreyfus?
1: Well, well, Iberflus
0: <laughs> is Ron Howard. Eventually he'll <laughs> he call, okay. And he'll get behind the camera. True. Yeah, yeah. He'll get he'll, behind he'll, the camera. He'll run the show type yeah. of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh <laughs> No, I get I get it. Richard I, I see Dreyfus is
1: uh Richard, Richard Dreyfus is is right now he's uh he's Brocon Smith. We're going around again and john
0: oh, no.
1: we're going around again would you pay me my money let's go around again uh yeah no i listen i i think what, what i'm really trying to do with that one is say is the bears are a year away i think the bears are a very excited for this i'm excited for this new iteration of the bears just like when you know george lucas busts on the scene with american graffiti it's exciting it's not the greatest film ever made it's not it's not the thing he's remembered for the most but this is an exciting time like low budget. We got a star. We think that could really explode with the Harrison Ford and Justin Fields comparison. And if they do it right and they're smart, the bears could be in position with how weak the NFC is right now. And looks like it's going to be the next couple of years to really explode and to
0: make some noise and remember. And to turn into, dare I say a new hope.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, the the star Wars got to remember it didn't win best picture. Okay. <laughs> Not saying the bears going to win super bowls, but. They are. They were marketable. They were good again. It's a, a ten pole franchise. I think the Bears. You know, it's it, there's hope. There is hope. I almost went with a new hope, but I wasn't ready to go
0: full Star Wars yet. Yeah, because they're not there just yet. They're not there just yet. They're because much more American graffiti.
1: Just right like right now. now with American Graffiti, Harrison Ford. It was young. It could have been disaster.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it could have been disaster. Uh. And so for just fields, I have hope he, you know, he was a carpenter found on set. Good looking guy, all the tools. It, Han Solo. Nice.
0: Nice. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Let's hope though, for your sake, that that uh, all you know, becomes true. I just like also, I, so. I knew I
1: didn't have to have a role for Eberflus. I just had to say Eberflus.
0: Yeah. yeah hey, <laughs> such a funny, ridiculous name. And, uh, and so it'll and, look good on the credits for sure. Eberflus. Um the Rams are my final team, Mark. Okay. And right. to me, the Rams are best exemplified uh, with the, f- the first Iron Man. Okay. Highly talented and gifted Tony Stark finds himself overseas and his nemesis, of course, the terrorist group at the very beginning of the movie, 10 Rings, which happens to be the 49ers in this analogy. Okay. Well, they win the initial battle. They have, the, they have Tony Stark's number initially he becomes a prisoner of war, right? Critically wounding Stark and it, that initial shrapnel. onslaught and the shrapnel of that is George Kittle and that uh, zone run game. But he upgrades his ability to fight with a powerful suit that is built to withstand the attacks. A la Jalen Ramsey, a Von Miller, if you will. But he, uh, so he, and then he goes right on the precipice of victory to, to withstand their attacks he has this powerful suit built, and uh, and he upgrades at the very end of this initial part of the this still beginning of the movie with uh, the ultimate upgrade in uh, Matthew Stafford. Right, the end. Yeah. He's finally got the suit ready to go, but Stark's ally Yinsen is sacrificed, unfortunately. ObJ in the Super Bowl, and while his suit is wounded, Stark's successfully escapes. He survives defeating his nemesis in the process, but bigger obstacles are in play, right? So Stark again needs to upgrade his suit and get a real legitimate one that would go on to be the iron man that we know and love and ready to fight again. Well, that final upgrade, ladies and gents, is what we talked about earlier here today. Bobby (laughs) Wagner, once again, upgrading. They just never stop. Tony Stark, never stopping. Always thinking, what can I make better with this suit to make it fight and withstand uh, these evil forces that be. So the Rams are, are Iron Man.
1: I love that. I would have, I would have gone just with, you could have made it even simpler. Just they're the Avengers. They got all the pieces. That, yeah. They, got, that's they true. got all the town. You got Alan Robinson. You got, uh, you got uh, Aaron Donald. You got, Jalen Ramsey, you have Bobby Wagner, Matt Stafford. Cooper Cup. Super Cup, <laughs> Super Cup. Yeah. they are the Avengers. They just got all the pieces. No, That's I love true. that. That's true. John McVay being Iron Man is fun. I like that yeah, idea. Kyle
0: Shanahan's probably Thor in this situation. <laughs> then, I would imagine. <laughs> or okay. not Thor, I'm sorry. It's uh, <laughs> not Thor. Who am I thinking of? Who's the back? What's the... Oh my gosh, why can't in I... In think- Iron Man? No, oh, no, no, Loki? in the Avengers. Oh, Loki? Loki. No, 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 no. The, the huge... Thanos? The guy they, yes Thanos Thanos the oh, okay. uh Kyle Shanahan in this
1: They got to cut off Kyle Shanahan's head. Yeah. That's it. It's it makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um
1: all right, my final one. <laughs> this is kind of mean. Uh this is the Houston Texans. They're Friday Night Lights. Uh the the, the, the I think I No, think, not Booby Miles. I think Booby Miles and uh and uh Friday Night Lights could beat the Houston Texans. I think they um I think uh what's his name? The quarterback like nah, now I'm blanking on the name. I knew I should uh, Wendell
0: Scott uh
1: uh what's the quarterback's it, name? Uh Wendell, hold that. I'm I'm looking uh, at this. It know, is it is like it's uh oh and then uh Billingsley. Yes, yes, Billingsley. the
0: tight end or H back. Uh,
1: that's uh, Tim McGraw's son. He's a drunk. Um the uh Scott Wendell Weddle Winchell Winchell. Winchell, Winchell, Winchell.
0: yeah. I, mean, listen, I, got, I gotta, I gotta find the, uh, it's the Texas person. football.
1: Um, the Texans are Midland, right? You're from Midland. Mike Winchell, Mike yeah, Winchell, the Texans are from Midland and, uh, the, uh, and, and I'm telling you the boys from Odessa, I think could handle the Texans. I think the boys, from, I think the boys from Odessa, those Panthers from Odessa, I think they can handle the Texans. So they're not. <laughs> I just think uh, that's just being Beautiful mean to the Texans. By. I think they stink. So I just think that's. Uh, I think Friday Night Lights when I think of the Texans, they're a high school team, and uh, and uh, the high school team I think could beat them. Mike Winchell.
0: Mike Winchell. And Winchell's I mean, S.O.B. Look, we'll see if Lovey Smith can go toe to toe with Billy Bob Thornton because uh, you know who knows.
1: Lovey Smith looks like a high school football coach at this time.
0: Yes, he, he does. Definitely. Right now he does. There's no of, question
1: of a, a, a elite high school football program. And you don't mess with that guy. He looks like he also was stealing money out of the vending machines. Shout out to Jim Stewart. <laughs> oh, shout out.
0: Shout out to the high school days. I love no, Lovey is an it. honest,
1: God fearing man. He would not steal, a, steal a cent. He wouldn't steal a cent. He would though constantly talk about my, the getting, being just a father figure to the boys. Right, right. My father figured these <laughs> young men.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he would uh, he would be there uh, consoling Booby Miles uh, for yeah. hours. No, he's question. from Midland. With his calm doctor you know, is just, from Midland. Hey, Booby, it's, it's gonna be all right, Booby.
1: That yeah, is the tragedy. I will say that movie. It just it's does sad, remind man. You. It reminds it's sad you though, the best thing to ever happen to sports is modern medicine getting better and better and better. Yeah, I okay. mean. A guy tore his ACL. He was the number one running back in the state and his career is over in high school. Now a guy okay. tears ACL like he better be back this year, this scumbag. You bet I bet you know what I mean? Like right, a yeah, guy yeah. tears ACL, he'd be like, Well, I expect him to be back in three weeks. I need him for the playoffs, like he's yeah, yeah. Like, ready to go. Yeah, like honestly, I mean that rolling is rolling back out there. The modern meta, like a guy like Gail Sayers true. in now nowadays, like these guys' careers last longer. That's why it's also crazy when the the other the hard part about it though too is the modern NFL. You have so much more talent. Guys don't get the chance to have long careers. Like they don't get that. Like the Adrian Petersons, the Frank Gore who just retired. Shout out Frank Gore getting the chance to retire with that. Oh Lions yeah, legend. But, like, they don't get the chance to have that long of a career. Like, no one's getting a chance. A guy like Matt Forte for the Bears, and then he went on to have a couple good years with the Jets at the end. That guy in the 1970s or the 60s and 80s, he would have been the Bears running back for 10 years. But after six years, you're like, all right, a little older, don't want to pay it, we'll find a new guy. Like, that's the modern NFL, too. So it's that catch-22. The surgeries help help guys get back quicker and they
0: don't end your career, but your career's competition I mean, is uh sky high. Then
1: if you're not an elite offensive lineman or a quarterback, who's having a 15 year career anymore?
0: No, I mean, that's name. It, a yeah. position
1: that's having a, a having a 12 plus year career. That is not a, that is not an elite quarterback or elite offensive lineman. Maybe a wide receiver <laughs> like Julio Jones barely hit 10 years and now he can't get a job.
0: I would say, at the top end, tight ends because of the challenges of the position, like you have okay to, you do you like if you can't block it all, then you better like they we better be able to find a way and, and then you're just a wide receiver at that point, but uh the challenges, maybe the learning curve of that position from college to the pros might give you uh a few extra years of trust because it's. It's hard to find really, really good. But again, you're,
1: you're a, you're a substantial share of the offensive line too. I mean, even defensive linemen, right? That's I mean,
0: yeah.
1: Maybe those guys like a Fletcher Cox has had a really long career, but is it 12 years long? I don't know. Is it? Is yeah, he, they're, he's they're pretty much far between, you know, you know, Aaron Donald's coming up on what year nine, year 10. And you know, it's getting to the end of that. So it is, I mean, that's just the way the NFL goes now too. Aaron Donald playing in the sixties would have played for 15, 16 years if he stayed healthy enough. Cause you just didn't like teams yeah. just trusted. Oh, this guy's a veteran. He's got more in the tank and you just kept playing things. So it is a catch 22 that I didn't mean to go on this weird tangent, but the booby <laughs> miles, listen, when you, when the doctors from Midland and you remember that it can lay, lead you down a path.
0: That's true. That's true. It really can. The last one I had was the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a really simple, the replacements <laughs> uh, because they are just made up with a, a bunch of replacements. Uh, they bring in uh Gene Hackman, uh, yeah. a la Doug Peterson, and they got the, the flowing good looking quarterback, Shane Falco to come uh, to come rescue them in the end and, and resurrect, uh, you know, uh, sorry franchise that's what's going to happen here with jackson i don't
1: Jacksonville. know if they have a deaf tight end but they um
0: or an insane middle linebacker that's absolutely crazy and john or a, favreau or basically <laughs> a pat
1: mcafee is a kicker uh yeah. <laughs> so that movie's so good
0: it's a, it's a really State good Post. movie and it, you know never put two and two together that that deaf tight end is uh roy from the office and guys know, had a like nice never, career yeah see nice that's, career. that's all it is right there.
1: Uh, John Favreau, yeah, John Favreau yeah. in that too. Yeah. It's a great movie. Great movie.
0: Really, really good one. Really good one. So yeah, that was fun. That was fun. We may sprinkle these in throughout the season. Uh, who knows? We may, we may if come up with pops an idea. In your head.
1: Yeah, if one yeah. pops in your head, yeah, good to bring back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We don't have to force it. Just let it come to us. So. Or if
1: there's a movie you just really hate, like Amazing Spider-Man two, and you want to <laughs> yeah. find a way to get some airtime trashing it, uh, we can do that too.
0: That we can. You know, the disaster artist was made off the movie uh the room, I think, which yeah. is supposed to be the worst movie I've ever made. We'll have to save that for a uh just a really, really trash year for some. Oh people. hi,
1: Mark. Yeah, oh, that hi, is, Mark. Uh, the <laughs> movie is called
0: The room, room, right? The is room. It, isn't it the room? Yeah. Yeah, the
1: movie is the room, yeah. the actual like really the movie bad based movie. on it. And then James was, Franco uh, made uh the disaster artist based yeah. off of the guy's real name. And he like helped James he Franco. He did a really good movie. job in that. Yeah. He like helped James for with the movie. Cause the guy's that insane. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. You want to make a movie about my movie? <laughs> you no, know, it's the worst movie ever made. And no one knows where the guy's from to this day. It, it's it, like, yeah. no one knows where he came from. It's amazing. He's like that. Like, he's like that. Anna Delvey. It's just like, who the hell is this person?
0: Yeah. It's just where Where did they come from? Yeah, no. totally. All right. Well, that was fun. Um, we've got one more um episode coming up before we take a break and then we return with our mock draft so yeah it is it is quickly approaching that that one's going to be fun too because there are a lot of question marks yeah yeah,
1: all the trades you have multiple teams picking multiple picks it's going to be fun
0: yeah at least we're giving ourselves some time there for a, a few more trades to work themselves out yeah. before we just completely you know make a mock draft and half of the picks don't even end up happening because uh, people are trading all over the place Agreed. but it'll still happen but yeah we're looking forward to that but next week of course we'll keep uh in touch with all the news of the week we might have something uh, extra fun for you as well um so of course be sure to stay tuned and uh we'll see you then